I, I had some insecurities and I wasn't super confident. I really wasn't. And it's just been in my adulthood as I have pushed myself and come out that I've become more confident. Um, my self-love struggles were less about my body mm-hmm. and more about feeling like I didn't measure up, feeling like I wasn't um, just wasn't enough, wasn't good enough. I studied psychology and I wanted to become a psychologist. I knew this from the time I was about 13 years old. But then when I was in college and I was working with populations of people like at drug addiction centers and crisis centers, and I just had this epiphany that people don't change unless they want to change. And I got really frustrated with uh, wanting to be a psychologist. And so I changed my career path and went into the corporate world. And I did recruiting and talent acquisition for 13 years. And I always struggled with feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I didn't measure up, feeling like I had to hide the true me, which is a very soft-spoken, loving, kind, compassionate, caring person. I felt like in the corporate world, I'd be eaten all up. So I had to put on this facade of toughness and and it's funny because I talk to the people I used to work with now and and they're like, no, we all knew who the real you was anyway. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling me. anyone. No, not at all. You have found the place to be. This is the Self-Love Peddler Show. I'm Sophie McCallum, your personal self-love peddler. Please leave the single narrative, airbrushed, beauty bot images you have been forced fed at the door. Here we examine our relationship with our bodies and the many shapes and nuances our bodies have. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Welcome to the journey. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm here today with Whitney Coburn, and I'm very, very excited. It's like it's like a superhero movie because Whitney and I both call ourselves self-love coaches um, from kind of different perspectives. But it's really fun that there are you have two self-love coaches here chatting today, which I find very exciting. So, Whitney, tell me about your approach to self-love coaching. Yeah, thank you so much, Sophie. I'm really excited to be here with you recording. (sighs) So I have a long journey, where to begin. Uh, But to answer your question, I am a love coach and I work with women. I was a matchmaker for a few years. And during that time, I matched a lot of people and some are still together, some are married. I even matched myself during that time. But what I found was some of the clients, I could set them up on date after date after date with great people and it just wasn't working out. And so that's where my coaching started was coaching those women in how to attract love, how to let love in, how to be in love. And what I learned was it really started with their own heart. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I didn't know that I was going to be teaching self-love. I thought when I started my coaching journey that I was going to be really focusing on the practical side of dating, online dating, how to communicate. And I still do that. I have to still include the practical side of it. But I was a little surprised and it just evolved with the clients that I got. And what I found was every single person that I worked with, 
needed more self-love. Mm. And they also needed more self-knowledge. They needed to know who they were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had a similar journey in that, you know, from my own coming to love myself and what that that puzzle piece did for me, um, I I wanted to share that for women who who felt that they needed it as well. And then I felt after working with so many women around self-love, that's where the whole body positivity came into play for me because it was like, I feel like emotionally women could, many women with whom I worked would get to a place where it's like, okay, yes, I understand how to work towards loving myself more, but I don't think I can get there until I lose five pounds, 10 pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, until I stop eating bread and stuff, like all of these voices in their head. Yeah. And if you can't accept and love yourself, it's really hard to find someone else who's going to accept and love you. And it's really hard to fully love someone else. It is. Because it's really hard to give away what you don't have. Yes. Yeah. Brene Brown says that we are all limited in how much we can love others by how much we love ourselves. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. So where did you get your foundation in self-love? For myself? I've always been very shy. So when I was younger, I I had some insecurities and I wasn't super confident. I really wasn't. And it's just been in my adulthood as I have pushed myself and come out that I've become more confident. Um, my self-love struggles were less about my body mm-hmm. and more about feeling like I didn't measure up, feeling like I wasn't Um, just wasn't enough, wasn't good enough. I studied psychology and I wanted to become a psychologist. I knew this from the time I was about 13 years old. But then when I was in college and I was working with populations of people like at drug addiction centers and crisis centers, and I just had this epiphany that people don't change unless they want to change. And I got really frustrated with wanting to be a psychologist. And so I changed my career path and went into the corporate world. And I did recruiting and talent acquisition for 13 years. And I always struggled with feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I didn't measure up, feeling like I had to hide the true me, which is a very soft-spoken, loving, kind, compassionate, caring person. I felt like in the corporate world, I'd be eaten all up. So I had to put on this facade of toughness. And and it's funny because I talk to the people I used to work with now and, and they're like, no, we all knew who the real you was anyway. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone. You're not Whitney. fooling anyone. No, not at all. But I'm so much more comfortable in my own skin now, especially, you know, I've been working on embodiment and just really embracing all parts of me. So not just physically, but mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. and recognizing that just like you're never going to have a perfect body, you're never going to have a perfect emotional life. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have ups and downs and tragedies and periods and all those things that that's a big part of my own self-acceptance is realis- realizing that I'm not going to be perfect, and I'm going to have to deal through those ups and downs. I am thrilled to introduce you to my newest course, Mastering Your Love Centers Through Conscious, Compassionate Self-Love. Your love centers are your main areas in your life in which you put energy. Our goal together is to encompass these centers with conscious, compassionate self-love so that this boundless and self-expanding love can grow into the life we have always known we were meant to live. Someone once asked me, what are you waiting for? 
This one question sparked the light in my soul. At the time, I was living unconsciously, without intention, without awareness, without love and balance. Bringing conscious, compassionate self-love to our centers helps us identify where we're placing our energy and where we want or need fulfillment. Now I ask you, what are you waiting for? Join me inside of Mastering Your Love Centers through conscious, compassionate self-love. There's really no such thing as perfect too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> right? So it's like you're going after, if you're going after that, yeah, you might not, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to progress if you're trying to be perfect because to learn anything new, you have to fail, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're perfect, you don't fail. Mm -hmm. So one thing I try to do often is enjoy situations where I know the least, yeah. Like enjoy the situations where I'm the beginner. Enjoy the situations where there are no expectations on me because like there's just the most opportunity there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's I, how it was when I moved to Italy and I lived in Italy. I, I didn't claim to know any Italian. I had studied Spanish for six years. So when I went to Italy, it was very easy for me to learn, to be open, to not have any expectation of feeling like I had to measure up to anything. And I'll always remember that experience. It was really eye-opening. Yeah. And I'm sure you know this as someone who works with people, you know, learning to fall in love and falling in love and, you know, all of the stuff around dating that very often, like our hardest relationship is with the people with whom we're closest because mm -hmm. of all of those expectations that we put on one another, because of all of those either unmet, undiscussed, or just like unrealized kind of expectations. It's, you know, what does Ani DeFranco say in one of her songs? She says, the kindness I've lavished on strangers is more than I can explain, right? Mm. Like it's so, it's a few years ago, I had like a journal where I had like a list of to-dos. And one of the things on my list of to-dos was do something, like do something for someone else, right? Mm. And um, I realized looking back on it, at that time that um, I was doing things like helping the woman with her stroller up the stairs in the subway, but I wasn't extending that compassion like to my partner, oh, wow. to myself, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's so much easier to do the like random acts of kindness when like there's no emotion around it, mm -hmm. you know, and once you're engaged emotionally with someone, it's harder for some reason. Oh yeah. Relationships are very confronting. Yeah. All those feelings that we don't want people to know that we have, those habits we don't want people to know that we have, it all comes out in the end. Yeah. And I think in COVID where people all of a sudden didn't have space anymore, um, it was really tough. Oh, yeah. I say that COVID was like putting a magnifying glass on your life. If you had really strong, great relationships, it was like, oh, great, we get to spend all our time together. This is so wonderful. <laughs> And if you really didn't, it was like, okay, magnifying glass, you're going to get all this person for, you know, all the time. And yeah, it was definitely too much for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a lot of time too with the self even. Mm -hmm. Not only the partner, like, you know, I had friends who were like single and alone and they were like, oh my God, I can't hang out with myself anymore. I'm <laughs> like, losing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. But we're on the other side now. And I was just speaking with someone recently about, like, the explosion of coaching since COVID. I think mm -hmm. when people did get introspective and they did start to think about, like, what matters and, you know, what kind of impact they could make being impactful. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because I 
my husband had passed away in 2017. And it was after that that I left the corporate world and just started totally changing my life and became a matchmaker. And then I quit the matchmaking company the month before pandemic shut everything down. So it was a coincidence, I guess, that I got into this right at that moment. But it's been, you know, it's been awesome. It's been a really interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah. I got into coaching right. I had pre-pandemic, I was sort of learning all about the world of coaching. I had worked for a number of years, like in wellness, helping people in other areas, but I had no formal certification. And um, it all went online and I was so opposed to doing it online. Hmm. I was so opposed. I really wanted like, because I'm firm, like believer in the energy of human beings being in the same space. And like the jury is still out on whether or not there's like that same transfer of energy when you meet via Zoom, like how much visual stimulation like can affect your energy. Like we just don't know. But I will say that I ended up in the end having to do it all online and it was phenomenal. It was amazing. And that's where I learned about like, you know, the new way we were making connections, right? And then we slowly, slowly were doing everything that way. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I met a lot of friends. I met clients online. And after you get to know someone online and then you meet them, it's it's almost no difference, in my opinion. It's like, wow, I feel like I've known There's you this whole time. There's often a height difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you never know. Like it's either like, oh, you're really tall. Oh, my God, you're so short. Yes. yes. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, no big surprises. <laughs> so tell me what draws someone into, I guess you're sort of like entree into this self-love business and journey of yours. Um What made you want to start, I guess, with the matchmaking? Was that the beginning? Yeah. So I didn't know that I was going to become a coach. Like I said, I wanted to be a counseling psychologist, but I sort of let that idea go when I was 23 and thought also, what life experience do I have at 23 years old to be guiding others? But I became a matchmaker because it was the blend of psychology and recruiting. So I thought I'm qualified and it sounds fun and it's It was just uh, my heart was telling me that that was my next step. It was something I had thought about in the past, but I was never really ready to leave my cushy corporate job. Mm -hmm. And after my husband passed away and I just saw how life is very fragile Mm -hmm. and why would you wait or do something that doesn't Mm -hmm. feel right? You know, you just have to go for it and then things have a way of working out. And you never know unless you do it. Yeah. Someone asked me once, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. A coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I waiting for? Yeah. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Not like frenetically tick, tick, tick. Like I don't really buy into the whole like YOLO, like get out there and seize the day. <laughs> yeah. Balance. Nor like, am I like manifesting my way into peace by just sitting there? But like, there's something in between. But, um, it's those small actions, right? It's that repetitive yeah. intention. Absolutely. That is so powerful. And I I don't worry, but I do see in a day where everything is, you know, like you want knowledge, it's on your phone. Like, remember the days 
when it was like, what's that person's name? Like, oh, I don't remember. And like you had to mm-hmm. wait like months before someone was like, Jack Daniels or like whatever the <laughs> name was, you know, like <laughs> whatever that name that comes to mind is. But like now all that knowledge is right there. Like there's less ne- necessity for like searching. Yeah. And so understanding and recognizing that like whether you are in a relationship with someone else, with yourself, with your body, with your boss, wh- whatever it is. It's like just that consistent work and not expecting it overnight. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of younger people? Have you seen that in younger people? Yeah, I've worked with women in their 20s all the way up to women in their 70s. And it's it's a lot of the same things. I mean, I love working with women in their 20s because it's so inspiring to feel like I'm going to teach them what I wish I knew mm, at such a young absolutely. age. Imagine them at 50 flourishing and knowing this stuff already. Like, I wish I knew this stuff earlier. Yeah. And so what about the women, the older women? What What do you, what can you tell me about that? It's very similar. It's Similar just, to the 20 year olds? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. A lot of times it's these patterns, you know, we all have blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. We can't see what we can't see. Right. And that's why having a coach is such a great thing because we can really illuminate those shadow parts of ourselves that that we don't really want to face. But that's a lot of times the women that I work with who are older, a lot of times they just have had so many experiences that they're kind of jaded. And they just mm. – a lot of them – don't want to get back out there. They don't want to go online. They thought they found someone and they turned out to be a scam and this person led them on. And there's just so many stories that, uh, you know, I primarily work with people who are either looking for love or looking to heal their heart in some way, find a partner or even just go through a breakup or divorce. And there's always patterns. And that's one of my first jobs is just to get to know someone and recognize their pattern. Everybody is unique and different, but there's also buckets. <laughs> like I yeah, can sure. meet someone and well, just two opposite ends of the spectrum that I often work with are on one side, it's Miss Independent. Mm. She's only dated two guys in the last 10 years. She, everything else is going well, whether she has kids and pets, they're great. Job is great. Um, but they don't make any room for love in their life. Uh, they tend to be very critical and judgmental first of themselves and then of others as well. Often guys don't measure up. They're not good enough, not good enough. Oh, I'm just, I intimidate guys. Well, guys aren't really intimidated by you usually. They're just either not on your level or just don't find that spark attractive, you know, Mm -hmm. when, um, because they're not open. And the other side of the spectrum is when someone is more insecure They put other people's needs and feelings before their own, often people pleasers, and they really need to improve their communication skills, improve their boundaries, and stand up for themselves. And a lot of times those people will be in relationships where they just take crumbs and whatever the person Mm. can give them, but they're really not feeling fulfilled. So those are two completely opposite personas, but yet they both come through my program in a very similar way and get the right kind of results. Those are like such complete avatars. Like you, you did such a good job of describing two types, mm-hmm. right? And it's, I, I, it, I too have, I can see now those buckets that you're describing with how people interact with love of others. Again, I deal mostly with love of the self, but 
Absolutely. And what's your favorite question to ask the people you work with? (laughs) Well, first, one of them is that I ask them about their previous relationships. So I get as much detail as I can about how they met, how it went, um, what were the patterns in the relationship, how did it end. But then I ask them, who did you not date? And I feel like this is something no one ever thinks about. That's amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. Because that really amazing guy that you just thought was a little boring, you know, what about him? What about Mm. the guy that stood you up and, and, you know, you did something that triggered him? Or, you know, it's it's interesting because the people that we attract are the ones that we typically feel safe with. And in healthy relationships, we need to feel safe in our relationships. But sometimes we take it to the extreme where the person is just safe and they don't challenge us and they don't bring out the best in us. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, it's it's a cop out. You know, it's sort of like when we play small just in ourselves and mm-hmm. don't give ourselves the opportunity to really fully express who we are. Yeah, that's and I'm, I'm sure that that's a part of what you do in your work. And that's why I love your work is that you're helping people to have the foundation upon which they can strive for what they really want. If you don't love yourself, you're always going to play small. Yeah. Like even if you even if you've got stuff in your life that seem big, they're not as big as they could get. Mm-hmm. Right. There's like there's so much more once you tap into that like energy. Oh, yeah. And that describes my journey in becoming an entrepreneur and a coach and a leader and an influencer. I never expected all of that. Like I said, I was really shy. I would happy to stay in the background and just, you know. Um, But it's been really my self-love and my self-love practices and my self-care practices that have been able, that have helped me to launch into where I am now and where I'm going. And I just, I definitely wouldn't have that without the self-love that I have. Well, thank you so much for your time today and sharing. I'm so glad we got a chance to uh, like unite in person like this and talk about our our self-love. Yeah, thank you so much. Together. So thank thank you. you, Whitney. And I have uh, a free gift to offer your listeners too, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to WhitneyLoveCoach.com slash self, mm-hmm. there will be a free gift about self-compassion, and another about how to manifest your ideal relationship. So I would love, love, love to hear from you if you found any of this interesting or this resonated. Well, thank you. Thank you. If you are craving to go deeper on your self-love and body love journey, please join me inside my private Facebook group, The Self-Love Shack. We meet once a week to continue our discussions and go deeper. You can also check out my self-love courses and coaching options at selflovepeddler.com. Follow the link in the show description for more details. I leave you with this. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Sending you peace.